Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is the podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Becco and my partner... Hari. <laughs> Good to see you, Hari. Yeah, oh, back, man. Back live uh, and in person. Yeah, right? I know. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> How have you been? Pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. Yeah. In this episode, we're going to be talking about share cannibals. Yeah. Um, this is one of your favorites. It is, right. actually. Yeah. I'm very excited about this yeah. discussion. Share cannibals is um, it's a very interesting topic. Uh, I think it's, it's sort of under, you know, it's not really much. It's not really much talked about in the investing community, but it has such a such a big potential if you look at it from a long term perspective. Right. It'll just compound your investment over time that much. Yep. So let's get into it. Uh, actually, before we do, let's give our uh, disclaimer. Yeah. So this uh, Value Investor TV podcast is a podcast that helps you understand and educate yourself on how value investing works. We are not your financial advisor. We don't know your specific financial situation. So uh, if you need to make any investment or tax decisions, please contact your financial advisor before doing so. Great. Awesome. So let's talk about this. Share Cannibal, Hari. Yeah. Give us a little, maybe just some background on what that is and why it's so important. Yeah. So uh, you may have uh, heard about, you know, when we, we did it, we talked about NVR, right? So NVR was a home builder. We did that, you know, several episodes ago. And what NVR does and, you know, what any share cannibal does is that they have reached a point where they're somewhat mature, right? They're a mature business. Um, they're, they have extra capital that they generate from their normal operations. Mm -hmm. And they apply that capital judiciously to, back, to share buybacks. And so what ends up happening is the, you know, company starts out with 100 shares outstanding. And over time, they, they can reduce that number to, you know, by 90%. Um, you know, and so there was a, there's a great book called The Outsiders um, that looked at eight CEOs who, um, and, you know, their cap capital allocation decisions. And those capital allocation decisions that they made had to do with when did they, they you know, do buybacks and, and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So just so you guys understand, buybacks, you know, we get a lot of questions about that and you may have hear about it in the in the media you know as is you know it seems like you're, you're taking your money and then just you know spending it on shares right wouldn't it be better to do a dividend or something like that but so let's let's play this scenario out and so that we understand what we're really getting here is you know let's say a company has 100 shares outstanding just for simple math right and they make ten dollars in earnings every year and for the sake of argument, they have um, their share price is one dollar a share. Okay, so the entire market cap of the company is a hundred dollars, um, right? Because they have a hundred shares outstanding and they have ten dollars in earnings. So the first year they would, if they spent all of their money on share buybacks, right? Um, you know, they would reduce their their shares outstanding from a hundred to ninety, right? And then every year subsequently, they don't grow any of their earnings. They don't have any, um, you know, reduction in earnings. It's basically the same company it generates. And so then next year it's 80 and then 70 and 60 and so on, right? But when you look at it from the perspective of what is my, con what do I get, 
right, from an earnings per share standpoint. Right? I get in terms of I as a shareholder. Correct. Of the I company. as the shareholder, right? So 100 shares outstanding. The first year, when you get $10 in income, right, you are essentially getting $10 over 100 shares, right? So it's 10 cents. But the next year, it's 10 over 90 shares outstanding, right? Mm-hmm. So you actually increase it. So when we get into year five, your $10 of earnings is now, you've basically doubled your earnings without doing anything, right? Mm-hmm. You've, they've reduced the share count by half. Yeah. This is also earnings per share. Right. We're talking about per earnings per share. And earnings to shareholders is what we're talking about here. Right. But overall, earnings will stay the same. This is all under the assumption that earnings stay the same. But... The share count is going down Correct. by half. Right. And so and we also assumed that the price didn't change, right? Mm-hmm. The price stayed at a dollar a share. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, so the market cap decreases, but in general, what usually happens is the company will try and maintain well, the the market will try and maintain a consistent price to earnings ratio. So actually when it, they get to fifty dollar fifty shares outstanding, what they'll actually do is to maintain that PE of ten the price will actually have gone up from $1 to, um, to 5 mm-hmm. right? And so what that, uh, what that really does is it helps you understand kind of what we are talking about here is that by reducing the share count, they actually increase the overall, uh, um, you know, what you receive as a shareholder is all that you should care about, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so Buffett talks about this quite a bit is that, you know, a lot of the companies that he has bought in the last five years, he doesn't have the capital to deploy to buy, you know, small businesses, right? Yeah. He's got $100 billion. He can't do that. But when you buy these giant corporations, they generally are at a mature state in their business where they're not really growing very much, but they generate a lot of cash. And so he looks for the ones that are going to cannibalize their shares and reduce that share count significantly. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at that, what you see is these companies that reduce it. So in the case, uh, in the Outsiders book, they talked about Teledyne, and they reduced their share count by 90%. Right? Well, if you reduce it by 90%, the earnings per share for an individual sh- a shareholder without doing anything just went up by you know, 10, 10 times. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a fantastic you know, rate of return. And they could continue to reduce their share count you know, by... You know, so I think when we looked at NVR, they had reduced it from 2000 to 2018 by like 60% or 70%. So big reductions in share counts mean huge increases in share prices mm-hmm. uh, over time. Yeah, for sure. So I think share cannibalism, share cannibalism is, a, is a very interesting idea and it's something that everyone should pay attention to. But I want to point um, our directions to our, our, kind of our discussion to share buyback. Uh, just as itself. And one of the things that we have to be careful of is share buybacks are good only in certain cir- only in some circumstances. Right. Now, Hari did mention that uh, share buybacks are great if companies are matured and a company is mature and you know there's not a lot of room for growth. Uh, those may be some really ideal situations where share buybacks, share buybacks could be exercised. Yep. But in cases where, for example, a company's growing really, really fantastic at a fantastic rate or... If the share itself is very highly priced, share buybacks may not be the best option. So maybe tell us more about that. Yeah, so that's you bring up a really good point. Like a growing business is not going to 
is going to capture more market share, be able to build a bigger moat, be able to generate more revenue and more uh, ultimately more profit, you would hope, uh, more profit by investing back in itself, mm-hmm. right? And so when you have a business that has a high return on equity, right, and has a large market in front of it, right? And we do this every time we look at the checklist, right? We ask those two questions. You know, are they very profitable and do they have a long runway for growth? Well, then I want to see them put their money back into the business. Mm-hmm. But if they're a mature business, I don't want them to be trying to grow at all costs, right? And that tends to, that is a CEO mentality is they're incentivized to grow revenue, they're incentivized to grow earnings, and, or I'm sorry, they're incentivized to grow revenue. And they do that by buying into businesses that have very low rates of return. And so what ends up happening is their low rate of return means that your money is actually being wasted, Mm -hmm. right? So when we talk about capital allocation, that's really where this gets into is, what is going to return me the best rate of return, right? If I go into a lousy business, if I'm in a great business and I can't invest in it, right? If I put that money into a lousy business, that's not good for shareholders, right? Yeah. And so a lousy business in that case could be I have a lot of money and I put it into um, an, a, uh, you know, a, a mutual fund or a bond, right? Like let's say I buy a treasury bill yeah. and the treasury bill gives me 3%. Well, why am I getting 3% when you should return the money to me and I can go get a higher rate of return elsewhere, right? Or you can buy back your shares, get a higher rate of return, or you can invest in the business. Well, you can't invest in the business if they're mature, right? They've they've tapped out their market. They're not really going to grow. So that leaves you those two options, share buybacks and dividends. A lot of companies will do both. And honestly, I don't see the reason to ever do a dividend in that scenario, right? It's Maybe you would do a dividend sporadically, but just paying back your shareholders, you know, via dividend is a is a pretty lousy way of getting money back to me. Well, tell me, tell us more about that. Maybe just not to go too much in detail, but why why is that? Well, so let's imagine that in the scenario that you have, that you split your your money between the share buyback and the dividend. Sure. Well, the dividend is going to be taxed because net income is taxed, right? So. The net income is what is available to pay out the dividend, no. right? Net net income is taxed at the corporate level. Correct. Yeah. And so at the corporate tax rate, it's now you know twenty percent. Uh, yeah, something like that. And, th- and then there's state and local taxes, and you know, so you're around twenty five to twenty eight percent tax rate, right? Well, then the dividend gets paid, and then I get paid. Uh, I have to pay taxes on that, so it's a it's a it's a double tax yeah. that is effectively going to reduce my. Uh, my return, right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So the the net income uh, is taxed at a corporate level, but then when you pay out dividend, it's also taxed at a personal level. Right. So it's double tax. Right. And if you're if you're a um, you know making good money because you've followed this podcast and you <laughs> invested well, then you may be taxed at a at a you know thirty nine percent you know tax rate or 35% tax rate, whatever the, the, the highest tax rate is now. And so if that's the case, then your tax is not, um, it, you know, the double tax is really taking a huge bite out of your, your earnings, mm-hmm. right? Now, here's the, you know, we talk about this all the time. Opportunity cost is a big part of how we invest, mm-hmm. right? If I am being double taxed, that money could be spent to go buy my shares if this company is undervalued, right? 
if they're undervalued, I'm basically getting more for my dollar, right? Because I'm buying my shares and retiring them. I'm getting that dollar, but I'm only paying 50 cents, Mm -hmm. right? That's a really good way of doing it, right? Now, if I'm really overvalued, right? That's they do this in the over in the um, outsiders book. They actually maybe it makes sense to pay for an, another business with my overvalued shares, sure. right? Instead of paying for because I'm paying for, I'm getting a dollar in a new business, but I'm only paying you know fifty cents for it because I my business is overvalued through shares point. through shares through shares right. So I may be diluting myself, but and nobody likes to dilute themselves, but then. I buy this new company with shares, I save my cash, and then when the stock price is undervalued, I go and buy my shares out. Yeah. So that is good capital allocation. Yeah. It's uh, looking at all of your options and then putting your money where you're going to maximize shareholder return. Yep. Now, when we look at that over a long period of time, the, and the Outsiders books you know, talks about this, um, some of the CEOs in there are... Um, uh, Warren Buffett is is one of the main ones in the book, um, but their rates of return are in the twenty five thirty percent range purely because they um, they allocated capital very effectively and put their money where the 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 shareholder would get the main return right yeah, and yeah. so every CEO is charged with this right that is their their main purpose in life is to <laughs> maximize shareholder return right that's your job is literally your job yeah yeah. And so it is not to, you know, shepherd, you know, the company through a period of transition and all this stuff. Whatever they tell you, you know, the board has said when they hire a new person. No, their entire job is to maximize shareholder returns every single time. That's the reason businesses exist. So if the CEO doesn't do that, you should be looking at other companies, right? That's that's kind of the idea that we're talking about here. So I want to go back to our original discussion, original discussion about um, share buybacks. Share buybacks and also, uh, you know, the reasons reasons why you said dividends are not great because there's double tax. Right now, let's that we cover that topic. Let's go back to share buybacks again. So share buybacks are good and only a few only in certain when the situations are right. Share buybacks are great. Right when situations are not great, you shouldn't be exercising share buybacks for a number of number of reasons that you, you mentioned. Correct. And so maybe let's enumerate. Uh, some situations where share buybacks are not great. We talked about a few of them. So, number one, when share price is really high, you don't want to exercise share buybacks. Right. So that's number one. Number two would be maybe another example. Yeah. So on that bullet I'll, point, let me give you a, a good example, actually, of the of the when the price is too expensive. Sure. Let's let's so, do that. So uh, GNC was a company that. You know, they're the nutrition company that makes vitamins and they have their retail store and they sell their own vitamins and and other companies' products. And for a long time, GNC was a very fast-growing business, very profitable. Um, and about five years ago, they kind of reached a peak in their number of stores that they could have. Mm-hmm. And they were trading at around $60 a share and they were very expensive at that price. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you could make the argument that they were fairly valued. I would say that they were expensive given that they had very little growth. So the board authorized a billion dollar debt, um, you know, multiple bonds mm-hmm. to do a share buyback. So they bought back the shares at $65 a share. Well, then the retail apocalypse happened and fewer people were going to the stores and fewer people were buying it because Amazon and uh, competition and that kind of stuff. And their earnings took a hit. 
Well, when their earnings took a hit, the stock price tanked. And when the stock price tanked, there went from, you know, a two or three billion dollar company to a um, $250 million market cap. And their price went from $65 a share to $6 a share. And so they bought at the most expensive time that they possibly could. And their share buyback was essentially now. And then they were saddled with a bunch of debt that they couldn't pay off because their their earnings moat had basically evaporated. That's double whammy right there. Yeah. So they got <laughs> they got killed on both sides. Yeah. So when you look at it, this is why, you know, we hammer on these these concepts around the checklist. Right. Is I find a good company that is on the uh, value investor checklist. I want to make sure that they have a moat. Right. Because share buybacks aren't good if your moat is evaporating, right? That's not going to help you, right? At that point, actually, a dividend may be the only sure. option, right? Is yeah. pay, pay my shareholders out and then let's shut down the business. That's actually the appropriate thing to do. Companies may not do that because, you know, for they're too yeah. arrogant and they think, well, we'll just keep going, right? So, that you know, that's where GNC kind of failed, right? Is you, you way overpaid for what you could have had, you know, uh, you didn't need to load up on debt, you know, to buy back a share, mm-hmm. right? You should have just used your existing cash flow, and you should have waited until the price was was right. Yeah, for sure. And so, I think, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's a great example. You're taking out debt to buy your share at an all-time high price. I mean, that's double whammy right there. Yeah, and you're paying, you know, I'm buying a dollar for three dollars. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's, who, it's, who, who would do that, yeah, right? It's a great example of destroying shareholder value, yeah. <laughs> minimizing shareholder value. Right. Yeah. So that's that's case number one. When share price is too high, yep. you don't want to do buyback. Correct. And I, case number two is when your existing business is growing right. so fast, it's a great opportunity to put money back into the business and grow the business. Right. That's a better use of capital than going out and buying your own shares. So that's 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 second bullet point where, right. um, um, you know, when when share buybacks, uh, I guess the other way around. Sorry. So the bullet point number one was when share price was too high, you do not want to buy back your shares. Bullet number two is when your business is not growing. Yep. Uh, when your uh, when your business is growing, you don't want to do that instead of going back going out and buying shares. Correct. So those are two different two different situations where buybacks may not be appropriate. Yep. But on the flip side, so you can take the flip argument that when the business is going is is selling for a cheap price, when the shares are cheap, and when the existing business is slow, in those two scenarios, it is it would be great if company could exercise some buybacks. Yeah, so like if we look at, you know, we're recording this in July 2019, right? Mm-hmm. And the Dow hit a record uh, 27,000 um, this week. Uh, and there are a lot of companies that I look at and I'm just like, there is no reason for this to be expensive, right? I mean, it's, you know, t- trading at 30 times earnings. Mm-hmm. They are not growing. They have nothing really going for them. But people are putting money into it for whatever reason, right? So th- when things get really expensive, people really do dumb things, right? I mean, you know... I, I've got news flash for everyone that people are dumb. Sometimes, <laughs> oh you know? my gosh. So they are thinking with their wallet and they're not really paying attention to what happens if this thing crashes, right? Mm. Like instead of stockpiling your cash when times are good, you're spending it trying to you know catch growth that isn't going to occur, right? And so I think that's why we're we're seeing a lot of this is that there's 
the Fed has lowered interest rates, people are putting money into stocks that don't deserve to have high valuations. And then the companies feel like, well, they have to keep their lofty price. And so they do that by buying back shares and doing more things that are, you know, to sustain themselves, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then they chase growth opportunities that may grow revenue in the short term, but then actually lower the profitability of the business, right? So those are the kind of things where people allocate capital poorly. And share buybacks is one way that that could be. You know, you look at companies like... um, you know, that pay a dividend for a really long time and they're very reluctant to suspend their dividend because then they think sure. everybody will exit, yep. right, uh, the, the stock price. Well, you need to do what's best not for the stock, the share price, but you need to do what's best for the company in those situations. Right? Shareholders. Yeah, for shareholders because that will effectively improve the, you know, suspending the dividend should be, you know, something that you should, you know, be readily, you know, doing because... If the stock price is cheap, what you should do is buy back a bunch of shares at that price because that is what's best for the shareholders in that case. Mm-hmm. And what people do is, well, I'm tied to this dividend, so I may end up borrowing money just to pay the dividend. So a lot of the oil and gas companies actually were doing that in 2016 when the price of oil went from $150 to 50, you know, $20 a share twenty or $20 barrel. a barrel. Yeah. They borrowed money just to maintain their dividend because like, oh, things will pick up. We're not making any money right now. But when you did, when that happened, if you instead have what you did was you said, we will not pay a regular dividend. We will just one offs pay dividends whenever we feel like the share price uh, when when we have excess capital. And in, in and instead, what we will do is we will wait for the st- the price to be low and buy back our shares one thing, two things will happen. One is you will prevent any sort of um, run on your shares trying to push them down because the share buybacks will kind of, you know, eliminate. Floor. Yeah, it's a floor. It's a setting of floor on the price of right. a share. Exactly. Yeah. And and the other thing that it does is it eliminates any, um, you're, you, you know, you're, you're making a decision as to when to buy, like the value of the stock. And then you stick to that price, like any other value investor would. We wouldn't. We would say at fifty dollars a share, it's not a good price. But at forty dollars, it's a great price, right? Because price matters in in how we we approach this sure. stuff. That's where I think a lot of people get mixed up, you know. So yeah. keeping track of those things is how you know you reduce the the overhead here. Yeah, yeah. So going back to our main topic, which was share cannibalism. Yeah, share cannibals, like we said, these are these are companies who are opportunistically right. buying back shares and ultimately yielding great shareholder value at the end of 10 to 15 years of long-term shareholder buyback strategy. Yep. Uh, and a great example of that we covered at a company called NVR. So yep. if you haven't checked that out, check that out um, maybe a, few, a couple, couple episodes ago. Yeah, so really, ultimately, share buybacks, if used appropriately, could really maximize shareholder values. Yeah, and there's just a... You know, going back to the NVR example, sure, because I think this is important. So the question is: Is NVR buying their shares at when they're reasonably priced? Sure. And here's the funny thing about the home building industry, and also we talked about Southwest Airlines, who's also a good share cannibal. Mm-hmm. So both of those businesses are actually operate in a industry where Wall Street doesn't give them a high premium. Mm-hmm. So their price to earnings is actually frequently 
you know, under 10 mm-hmm. or very low. So most of the time their buybacks are always effective. Mm-hmm. So NVR has blanket bought since, you know, 2000. And that may purely be because they're just in a good industry mm-hmm. for that to exist. Yeah. Good, good industry in the sense that Wall Street doesn't value them as highly as them, like right. say a tech company. Correct. And so buying back their shares, it's not necessarily that they're opportunistic. It's just they're always cheap. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of works for them. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to, you know, maybe they are very smart about their buybacks. I just can't tell because their behavior is we just constantly buy it back. Mm-hmm. And so it makes out, it works out well for us, right, in, in both cases. <clears throat> But we should be thinking about that when we look at this. You know, are they managing my money well? Mm-hmm. Right, because I'm. It's I own this business. I'm going to invest uh, with the idea that they're going to manage my capital well. And so, are they b- being opportunistic? And so, what is funny about this is the best businesses that are that are cannibals are typically some of the older, more, you know, lower. Um, PE businesses yeah. because they're in industries that are just don't get a high valuation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, interesting to kind of think about as well. Um, just sort of different types of industries that might be more maybe suited, maybe is the right word here, but suited for blanket buybacks. Yeah. Um, um, okay. Uh, anything else you want to add before we close out this cannibalism or cannibal? <laughs> sure, cannibal uh, episode. Uh, yeah, we'll actually talk to you a little bit about how what to look for in the next episode for share cannibals sure because uh, um i think there's a lot to discuss here and i think it's actually you know we've we came upon this idea basically by watching what some of the greats investors do uh monish Pabrai and warren buffett are both big proponents of the share cannibal kind of um I think Charlie Munger also. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why we wanted to talk about this. And so in the next episode, I think we want to talk about how to find uh, these businesses, uh, what to look for when you do find one, and um, and then how to evaluate them sure. you know, for for which, which one would be the best one to put into a portfolio. Yeah, sounds great. Um, and then do you want to just tell our listeners about helping us out with... Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we've been, uh, we've been so... We're really grateful for all the all the listeners um, who've been sending us emails and uh, and tweets, um, you know, for for support and and just uh, just being there for us. And I think what what could be really helpful for us as we move forward is if you could go to Apple Podcast and just give us uh, a five five star rating on, on there. I think that would really help us to get ourselves out there. Um, and to promote this uh, this platform for 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 people who are interested in learning about investing, who wants who wants to uh, t- you know take take control of their life, uh, take control of their uh, financial health, uh, and so please please help us uh, go to Apple Podcast and give us give us that five star rating. Um, that would really help us out. Yeah, it'd be really helpful. Thank you. All right, guys. We'll see you on the next episode. Yeah, thanks. Thanks.